This episode of LAW The Twilight Zone Review is brought to you by Unfinished Sentences. Phoenix West, The Twilight Zone Episode Review Show. Welcome to LIW The Twilight Zone Review, Episode 130. A stop at Willoughby. That's the name of the episode. Sorry for the beatboxing. I don't know what the fuck I was doing there. I got bored. This episode debuted May, May that's, that's how you say words, May 6, 1960. Not nay. Nay's a word, but not the word I was looking for. So this one starts off, um, this is kind of a boring episode. I'll go ahead and admit it there. Um, starts off with like a Hudsucker proxy type business meeting, and it's overlooking the city, and it's in a you know, high rise. And it's a very, very uncomfortable scene that goes on in entirely too long. But it is one of three scenes in the fucking episode. Most of this episode takes place on a train where he's just sitting there in a chair. This is a very boring episode. It's not bad. It's a. It's a. It's fine. It's, it works as an episode, but it's, it's. There's not a lot going on, and I wish they would have added more. This is the one. This is one of the episodes where I felt like they could have done more, and I wish they did. Most of them are like, oh, they could have done more, but you know, it's fine. Like the fever. The fever is a previous episode I did. There's not a lot happening, but enough. Enough where I was like, okay, I don't feel like anything's lacking. This one felt like it was missing some pieces. It just felt like not a whole episode. With that being said, though, like I, like I did say earlier, it is a, it's a fine episode. There's nothing really wrong with it. It's just my personal taste. I wish they added more. That's all. Okay, moving the fuck on. There's a, there's a business meeting, like I said. Everyone's waiting for this guy, Jake Ross. And then the motherfucker resigns by sliding a piece of paper under the door. I don't know if that was the secretary or whoever's running the meeting. And that's kind of like the, I guess the modern equivalent would be breaking up with someone via text. I think that would be the 1960s version of that. So, and then this guy's getting yelled at by his boss. And then the project, Ross, he, Ross took the project with him. And it was William's pet project. And it earns the company $3 million a year. I'm having real serious problems with my microphone cord right now. It is all over the place, and it's falling. I apologize. I'm just not even going to cut that either. You, you get to see how real this shit is. Guys, are you excited? You, you guys are really insiders to see how my microphone cord fell off the armchair next to my fucking computer as I stare at a layout of notes. This is real insider, guys. I should go video. It's very exciting. I'm sitting here um, just with my hat and my headphones over it, and it's very uncomfortable. I don't know why I'm wearing the hat. It doesn't. It makes it so the headphones don't fit comfortably, but I'm just dedicated to the hat. I guess I don't know what's wrong with me. I I need help. I'm addicted. Okay, guys. So anyway, this guy got angry. The guy's bosses get angry because this guy that Williams vouched for disappeared. Took the contract with him. I get why he's mad. The boss starts going crazy. He's a fat dude, older. He's like, it's a push, push, push business. You push, push, push all the way down the line. Push, push, push. And Williams starts to go insane. He gets mad and he's like, fat boy, why don't you shut your mouth? <clears throat> and then Williams keeps grabbing his stomach and he runs out of the office and he asks his secretary for a sharp razor and a map of the human anatomy showing where all the major arteries are. And I was like, Jesus Christ, Williams, you fucked up. I'm like, you're fucked up, dude. No wonder where this guy, no wonder this guy just left and took his contract. He's like, this guy's a psychopath. I don't want to be around this guy. I like the, I like the line though, like all the major arteries. That was fun. Um, okay, so weird thing. This guy's name is Gart. 
Gart Williams. For real. That's his, that's, his, that's the character's name. That's what they chose. Gart Williams. Um, he doesn't get fired. Yelling at, calling his boss a fat man in this business should lead to his, you know, ultimately lead to his you know, being fucking severely unemployed, right? You would think so. Again, he does state this is a push, push, push business. Yet when Gart pushes back, he's like, was he just like, he learned, he pushed. I will receive the push. I will not push back. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I don't, I don't know his boss's, maybe his boss needs an episode to explain why he did what he did. Anyway, he's on a train. Gart is, and he's still hearing his voice's head, boss's voice, his voice's head. Wow. What the fuck's wrong with me? He's still hearing his boss's voice in his head. It's snowing outside, it's winter, blah, blah, blah. He falls asleep on a train. He wakes up on a much older train in Willowby. And then he looks out the window, and there's a guy in a giant loop bicycle just riding around, whatever the fuck those are called. You see, like, old-timey ones where it's a giant bicycle. I don't know why they're obsessed with having a giant wheel that made it next to impossible to get the fuck off the thing. Like, you had to go up to a... A railing of some sort to put your foot on to get down. I, it seemed really inconvenient to get off that motherfucker, though. That's for sure. You need another guy, like maybe two, to help you off. It's like a like a horse without a saddle. Like you just have to fling yourself off that fucking thing and hope you don't break your neck. Hope you don't Christopher Reeves yourself on the way down. Is that tasteful? I don't think so, but it's true. It's just way up in the fucking air, and it just seems really inconvenient. Okay, it is it's obvious design flaw from the beginning. That's all I'm saying. So it's summer there. It's summer in Willoughby. And then the, the conductor train guy, whatever, I don't know, trains, whatever the fuck that guy is, the guy that takes the tickets. That's not the conductor, is it? And he's like, this is, and the guy's like, where's Willoughby? And he's like, it's right outside, Willoughby. Summer in July. Uh, it's 1888. Willoughby, uh, give it a try. I'm like, what the fuck's going on? Like, I don't really remember this episode that well. Again, it is not much to it, though. And he's like, just looking at the window, and he's like, all right, what the fuck? But Gart wakes back up on the train, for real. You assume it was a dream. <clears throat> he asked the train guy about Willoughby, and the guy's like, oh, I don't know. Again, I don't know trains. But the guy's like, whoever this guy is that takes tickets and shit and talks to passengers is like, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know where Willoughby is, man. You're on your own there. He's really intrigued, though. Gart really catches his, catches his interest on this Willoughby. And then um, so Gart goes home because he just got off the train, going home. And his wife is a enormous cunt she's just a real bitch about everything um she gives him shit for not being more of a man and for his drinking and uh, she just wants to yell at him she he's married so she can yell at him that's really all it is it's all it appears to be so gart tells her his dream is to live a simple life where a man can live his life to full measure and she's like that's fucking retarded like why'd i marry you she might as well have the boston accent and, and basically be um blake lively in the town, and just be like, that's fucking retarded. You're fucking stupid. Well, you fucking stupid? You don't want to live that. You you got to make money. You can't drink. My daddy hates you. What the fuck's wrong with you? You know, be a fucking man. Come on, be a man. Just be a man. Just, like, she, she's just a fucking bitch. Like, nonstop to him. I don't mean all women are bitches. I'm not going that far. I'm just saying his wife is a fucking bitch to him. Watch the episode. You'll see what I mean. Gart's walking around some more. I don't know. I don't care. He's basically Sean Connery's Bond. After a like a sex appeal ectomy, whatever you want to call that, this, like he had his sex appeal just removed. He looks like Sean Connery as Bond, but he doesn't have that like the bravado and the charm and the the smoothness that Connery had. He just has a quiet, 
gut wrenching, literally, because he keeps grabbing his gut, like awkwardness and um, kind of a psych psycho side to him. I guess you'd call it. I don't know. It's really disturbing the way he walks around. <laughs> so Gar- he get backs on the train. Get he get backs. That's right. He gets some back on the train. He fucks the conductor in the back. You know, in the, in the bathroom. That's, that's that's what they do. He gets back on the train. There we go. That's how English works. This is going to be a fun episode. I can tell it already. Tell it already? Oh, my God. I'm done. Anyway, he ends back up at Willoughby. He goes to get off the train, but the train slightly moves, and he freezes up, and he's like, oh, oh better stay on. He calls the conductor or whoever, whoever that guy is, and, but he wakes up back up in reality. <clears throat> um, this is when I say he piqued that guy's interest because the guy's like, I looked up Willoughby. And uh, I couldn't find anything near us. You know, it's weird. It's really far away. There's a place, and it's, yeah, it was a long, really far away. I don't know how, why you thought you were there, you dumb fuck. But they, I was like, this guy's really into it. Like, but this guy just, the, the train guy didn't just go home and get on Google and look up Willoughby. Like, this is a much more complicated system back then in the 60s. He either, A, has an atlas and just sat there with his finger over it, like, going like centimeter by centimeter looking for Willoughby or maybe some sort of index in the book or he went to the library and then decides like a where he's just like research after research and he's looking at slides and shit and he's just really putting together this he's talking to like the the city purveyor like whatever the fuck that's called the the, the person who maps out the town and is like where where would Willoughby be and then he just gets this council together and they all look through these atlases and like really get down and they make phone calls to every county and like do you have a Willoughby there no okay hang up and then what's the next county alphabetically every state every fucking state and I was like that's the work that must have went into this would have been ridiculous and, and Compared to the modern equivalent, equivalent, which would be uh, Willoughby. I haven't heard of that. Yeah, my iPhone says there's no Willoughby near us. It says it's uh, 73 miles away. Yeah, it's, it's two states over. I don't... Uh, okay. That, <laughs> that would have been that would have been that much work, and that would have been too much work, honestly, for a stranger who, who dreamt about a fucking town. That would have been like, oh, your dream? I don't care about your dreams. It's during the day. Don't tell me about your fucking dreams. I don't know you, stranger. Like, you fell asleep on my fucking train. Even though you live in New York City, you're one of three passengers on this train. What the fuck? Does he, like, does he take the train into deep Pennsylvania every day? I don't know why there's nobody else on the train, really. It's very strange. Anyway. So he, yeah, he, he doesn't get off the train. He, he goes to, but he, the train moves kind of, and he just, you know, goes back home. And I realize at this point, this episode's purely about men growing resentful of modern life and being too complicated. And just like, he doesn't want to grow up, basically. He's just like, there's too much. I just want a simple life. And this is kind of like, I bet there's a lot of people in this era that kind of felt the same way because it was very obvious by this point that it wasn't going away. Like, there was a big change from 1900. Let's just say 1920 when some of these guys are, you know, being born to 1960. Massive changes were being made. Like, the, the, from 1960 to now, it's just been computers that have changed, really. And, but from 1920 to 1960s, this is a crazy amount of difference just in lifestyles. Like, you couldn't just have a normal life if you lived in the city. You couldn't just do that anymore. Like, it wasn't like quaint or anything. It was all like loud and shit and just nonstop noise. And there was just people getting sick of that, I bet. 
is in this episode kind of uh, represents that. Anyway, that was boring. His, <laughs> he's on the phone with his boss, and he's doing the push, push, push thing again, a little speech, and then he starts taking several phone calls at once about these commercials he's supposed to do. And I don't know what his business is. I think he's like an ad guy, an advertising guy. And uh, his secretary gets on the thing, and she's so fucking naggy. Like, the women in this show are just the worst, in this episode at least, are just so fucking bitchy and naggy. And then the telephone voices are like, they're, they're comic voices. Like, he's like, yes, 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 I get the commercial. Yes, 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 I get it. Okay, I'll get on it. And I'll go, it's fine, I'll deal with that. I will deal with that. It'll be out Tuesday, it'll be out Tuesday. They said to tell me about but that's fine. And it's just a lot of that shit. And I was like, couldn't you just get someone and just have like a little bit of bass? Like, like you don't have to do much. You could have no sound. You could have nothing coming out of the other end of the phone. And it would sound better than like that shit, like something from a SpongeBob. It, it sounds terrible. It doesn't sound at all real, first of all. And in this episode, it should sound ultra real in this because he's in the real world. You want to go to Willoughby and that sort of shit, that's fine. That's a fantasy land. But in this, when it's supposed to be overwhelming to him how real it is and how much, how overbearing it is. Don't go with the cartoony, squiggly voice. Like, it sounds so stupid. But anyway, he runs to the bathroom. He is freaked out, and he sees his boss in the mirror. He punches it, and he starts having the ulcer pains again. And then he goes to his desk again, calls his wife, and he's like, I need help. I want, I want out of it all. I'm desperate. And she just hangs up because she's a fucking bitch. His wife is the worst. Like, I get if it was on her end. I'm looking at her end. If she was like, you promised me all this stuff, and then here we are. But no, it seemed pretty obvious in the beginning that she was just overbearing, and he was who he is. He's just like this. He's not a shark. He's just a guy who just wants to get, you know, just exist. So at this point, I'm like, you probably should have married someone who was more what you're looking for, like a shark, like the boss, his boss, the push, push, push guy. I mean, he's older, but like that sort of personality would have been better suited for her. I'm just, I'm just saying she makes poor choices in relationships. I'm breaking it down that far. She needs to work on that, okay? She has a real chance here to work on that because once we get to the end of this episode, you'll see why. Anyway, he once again goes to Willoughby, and instead of getting off the train like he planned, he looks out the goddamn window again. And I'm like, motherfucker, get off the fucking train. He's just staring out the window, and I'm like... Get off! You want to? You said you're gonna go to Willoughby, and you're just staring out the window. Remember what happened last time when you when you took your fucking sweet time and it, the train moved and you didn't get off. So just get off the fucking train, okay? And then he leaves his briefcase, and I was like, oh, "That's good. That's a good move." And he just slowly walks off the train, and I was, he very slowly walks off the train. Let me say that. Oh, I will say that. So he goes, and like I said, he's there. He goes to Willoughby. And everyone there just knows his name. And it's like, hello, Mr. Williams. Welcome to Willoughby. Yes. I don't know why they sound like Bane. But it's like, welcome, welcome to Willoughby. It's, you know, very excited to have you. Look, Take a look at the town. Here, ride our giant, unnecessarily large bicycles that, that takes three grown men to lift, hoist you up on one. It's very unnecessary. We have, you have to lay down on your side, and we'll put you on the bike, and then we push it over with a stick until you're, on, you know, on top of it. It's it's stupid. It's it's we could have just made it smaller. Like obviously we should, but no, we made it huge. So that way, if you hit a rock wrong, you're falling down like two flights of stairs, basically the equivalent of that. You're gonna fall like a fucking story. 
you're going you're gonna to fall, and you're going to crack your head open, and it's going to be brutal. And it's, and it's 1888, so there's not much medicine. I don't even know if we have penicillin yet. I'm not really up to my penicillin references or when it was made. I don't know. Point is, you're, you're definitely, definitely going to die because it is 1888 in the West. It's like the Old West out here. It's all dirt and shit. It's not like Wild West shit. It's like, I don't know, Oklahoma or some shit out there. Who knows? But the point is, you're not going to live. You're not going to live, Mr. Williams. Anyway, get on the bike. It's fun. Kids love it. The kids that survive love it. They say they when they get home, they're like, I didn't die today. My, three of my friends did, but I didn't die on that bike. I really did enjoy it. It was a fun ride. Thank you, Mommy. Uh, the training in the Charles Brunson. <laughs> the Simpsons. No dice. Here's some ice cream, Mom. No dice. Wow, that was that was a tangent right there. That's what we call that. You turn in the, the Charles Bronson from the Simpsons reference. Bronson? This is Bronson. Anyway, um, for people old enough to get that reference. the Okay, so this is where I was saying about the wife, how she has a chance to go out and, you know, meet somebody. You know, maybe become, get a contactomy, like her, like her husband had a sex appealectomy. She, I was going to say, when I was watching this episode, I was like, oh, I want a sequel where they all, everyone in Willoughby sacrifices him, like, in a, in a, like, like Nicolas Cage in Wicker Man, where they just, like, fucking, like, welcome to Willoughby, Mr. W- Mr. Williams. <laughs> and they just fucking burn him alive. They sacrifice him to keep their magic train alive. Whatever that is, like, he becomes fuel for the train that takes you to this magical land. And I was like, this would be awesome. Like, I want to write this shit. But instead, they just had him dead because they cut to the next shot of him dead in the snow. <laughs> he jumped off the fucking train when it was driving. He didn't go to Willoughby. He just committed suicide. I was like, this is a de- depressing fucking episode. This is just a sad sack of shit all around, this guy. This guy's life is just not. He just committed suicide there at the end. So it was kind of like a Hudsucker Proxy. He jumped to death. He didn't get frozen in midair and have an angel come up to him with a harp, though. That, that would have been awesome. You guys should watch, watch Hudsucker Proxy if you haven't. If you have, high five. Um, so he's dead. He's goddamn dead. The funeral home sends an ambulance to pick him up. Which, I don't know if that's how it works anymore. It's one of those things in modern life, I don't really know how it works. Like, I know the fire people, fire firemen, whatever, the, the fire station, uh, uh, tears, whatever the fuck they're called. Firemen? I'm kidding. I know they work for, like, you know, I think it's more like, uh, it's not like cops. Cops work for the state, right? The city, the state, whatever the fuck, you know, they're government employees. I don't know if that happens with firemen, and it definitely doesn't work with ambulance people. Like, they're on their own, right? Like, they can just, they have their own thing going. They respond to 911, but I think it's kind of like a second second thing. It isn't, you're not working for the state when you're an ambulance driver, right? I, I really don't know how it works back then, because a funeral home has their own ambulance. And I don't know what that is. It, like, it, it's, what is that? Is that they don't, because an ambulance takes you to the hospital. This is a funeral home ambulance. What's the? It's just a hearse at that point, right? It's just it's not an ambulance, right? Am I am I crazy here? Am I thinking too much into this? Because one thing does one thing, and the other thing is very different. Like it, you, you take an ambulance and then they take you to a hearse. That's how it should work. Like oh, we tried. He's dead. He's definitely dead. Okay, well now we'll take him into the funeral home. <laughs> you know what I mean? They just go funeral home and they just take him. Anyway, this the sign on the on the ambulance slash 
Hearst says, Willoughby and Son Funeral Home. And I was like, that, that doesn't really make sense. I get that it's Willoughby, it's connected, but it's the same name, but he didn't, it wasn't there. Like, it would be different if he landed in their front yard, like their land, but it got sent as an afterthought. Like, it had nothing to do ahead of time. So it's just this weird coincidence. It would have been, like, if they would have zoomed in on the officer, the cop that was standing there, and his name was, like, Sergeant Willoughby, that would have been just as relevant. It just doesn't, okay, he, it's, it's named Willoughby. It's almost just a coincidence at that point. It's not even like, ooh, spooky. It has nothing to do. It's just like, oh, okay, yeah, that's fine. That's a name. <laughs> so, I don't, so stupid. The 1888 thing, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. Anyway, it makes sense. It just isn't as twisty as they thought it was, I think. Anyway, the um, point I was saying about his wife is she could totally go get another guy now because her husband jumped to his death, and that is... Then she might not get the life insurance, but she's she's free. You know, she's free from that sad sack of shit that isn't anything like she needs to be married to. Anyway, I hope his wife found love. You know, I, I really hope she did. I hope she married the boss, that um, fat man or whatever. Anyway, guys, I'm going to head out. Go check out American Episode 7 about Colin Kaepernick and Tommy Lahren and fucking Black Lives Matter and shit. Go check it out on the YouTube page, youtube.com slash Lightning in Wonderland. Go to LAWstudios.com and find out the other shows and go do all of that shit. I'm not going to keep going into it. It'll be on the, it'll be on, whenever you're listening to this, it, it's, it's posted. Fucking figure it out. Anyway, guys, I'm going to head out. In the meantime, and until next time, I'm Phoenix West. So long, citizens. <laughs>